for me, the worst thing that people can say about workplace health, you get the eye roll and people go, oh, dressed on Fridays and yoga. And I'm like, oh. Hi, it's Martin back for another episode of Positive Differences. And today I'm joined by Suzanne Nickel, who runs or is part of the team at Better Health at Work Awards at TUC. Hi, Suzanne, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Martin. I, I, I nearly put my foot right in there. I can't, do, do you run or are you just part of the I am, team? Yeah, I'm the programme coordinator. So yes, technically I have, I have general oversight of the award. So yes, I'll take that. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so so Suzanne's the gaffer. Um, Susanna, according to your LinkedIn profile, you've been there many years, but but the Better Health at Work is in its 10th year, I think. We are now, we're a little bit beyond that, so now we're, we're probably in post-pandemic, but we're year 12 now, so we've had a lost two years, but yeah, no, we're, we're, we're All right, the website update has been working from home. Have they productively working from home, not updating your website? Is that the- yes, so yes, we are, year, we are year 12 now. Right, um, okay then. Just, just, just. Obviously, I don't want to make it look like after no research at all. I did, I did look at the website. Um, we'll, take we'll take that on board. I'm making notes, and we'll change that in twelve years. That's all right. All right. So, Suzanne, um, I, I, I know we've been working with you here, at Robson Adler, and, and, and you know, and, and we're, we're now quite far down the journey on better health at work. Do, for for people who don't know anything about it, do you want to just give us give us the sixty second elevator pitch that you'd give to someone about what you do and why? Yeah, sure. The Better Health Award is a publicly funded um, pan-regional um, holistic workplace health programme um, that aims to recognise, reward, facilitate and support employers to um, focus on staff, focus on and improve if they've already got things in place, um, staff health and wellbeing, obviously for the betterment of our region, of our economy, of our businesses and uh, our workforce and our organisations who reside and trade there. Okay, so so you cover, there's a whole load of things there. What, what, what does it mean on the ground then, Suzanne? How, you know, where, 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 where do you start? So if you, if you came into Robson Nadler five, six years ago, whenever it was we started the journey, what, what, what would the initial conversation be like and how does it go down with employers? The initial conversation is, uh, it's probably changed in the last, I think that's a good point, it's probably changed in the last five, six, certainly the last kind of 10 years. Um, the conversation has very much changed because um, there was a case where you'd have to go and you'd probably have to, you know, kind of do a bit more selling and say, look, you know, the benefits are this, that, and the other. And actually, let that be, uh, employers come to us and say, look, we want to do something on health and well-being and staff engagement. Um, help us. It just seems like too big an argument. Can you, can you help us? How do we do it? Because it can often seem like an insurmountable object. Um, so what the award does is provide a framework, a structured framework and supported framework so that actually when you come in as an employer, it's done, it's, a, it's the old adage, isn't it? How do you eat an elephant? Well, in bite-sized chunks. And that's what we do with the award. So um, we kind of break it down into bronze. So everyone starts at bronze and then bronze, silver, gold, continuing excellence, continuing excellence and maintaining excellence. So everyone, regardless if they're a multinational or if they're a five-man band, five-person five band, apologies, um, five-person band, they have to, you know, start at bronze because there are foundational elements that need to be in place. So um, when you started, you know, five, six years ago, the first thing you would have had to do is actually go, right, so you know what? Let's not guess what people want, because actually this is about our staff health and wellbeing. Let's ask them, 
let's get some baseline data and let's get some you know good steerage and consultation from our staff and say what is it, what are your priorities um so as part of that you would do kind of a health needs assessment with staff collate the results and then that would kind of help drive and inform your activity going forward um obviously we kind of ask you to cover certain specific public health elements as well because we know they're an issue across the whole uh, the whole nation and the whole region especially um so you'd also cover foundational aspects of healthy eating mental health and well-being risky alcohol use um tobacco use and then kind of looking at kind of internal structures like um attendance um attendance management do you do any analysis and do you have a health support and workplace in terms of mandatory issues like health and safety um so you know if there's any control of hazardous hazardous substances risk assessments for anything that is is there etc okay so but it, it is separate from the normal health and safety so you know this this isn't where you come out and make sure you've got guards on the machines and yeah you know earphones in place for noisy operators that kind of thing noisy operators that makes it sounds like pe people who are noisy doesn't it yeah yeah um, so, so it's separate to that it's more it's more about the well-being of the person than whether they're going to lose an arm in the workplace is that it yeah well they're all part of that intrinsically linked but yes we don't do the mandatory compliance stuff because that is legality and that there are you know the hsa and there are local authorities who help enforce do the enforcement bit and um, where the above and beyond bit yeah, the bit that wasn't the norm. So actually now, again, the, the remit tends to have expanded from health and safety to health, safety and well-being because they are so intrinsically linked. So we do look at the health promotion, health awareness, um, kind of early intervention, prevention stuff. So actually, how can we stop people from dropping out of work through ill health um, and kind of uh, how we support them to stay in work and have a better experience as well? Okay. And who, who do you normally find are the best people inside a workplace to drive these things then, Suzanne? Oh, um, people, who want, people who want to do it is the, is the, easy, is the easy answer. Um, willing, you know, willing volunteers, it, it can and should be anyone in your organisation, um, you know, top down, bottom up, peers, peer support is absolutely integral. So one of the unique points of our programme is that it's driven by um, health advocates who are internal people in a workplace who volunteer to do the role. Um, we offer them tra free training through the programme um, and they go and drive that activity. So they do their face-to-face -face liaison with people that, um, you know, they implement the campaigns with support uh, and they drive that agenda as well. And they collect all of the evidence to, to kind of prove what, what's going on as well. And it can be, um, because anyone in your organization across all kind of grades, if you've got grades or levels of the business, um, you know, what we often say is when, I, when I'm training is that um, senior level management uh, should always train to be health advocates because it's important that they understand the role. But in an organization, what we don't want necessarily is accessibility and availability and relatability are um, some of the main key components of being a health advocate and sometimes people can feel a little bit naturally can feel a little bit nervous of approaching a senior senior team member so what I say is whilst we want them to have those skills what we want from them isn't necessarily on the ground advocacy it's ambassadorship yeah so they, they are there just you know to steer the ship and say look organizationally this is what we're doing it's not a flash in the pan we're committed um it's not for you know any 
nefarious purpose it's it is um you know we're doing this it is you know selfless in a way well it's not selfless because it will have business benefits but we're doing it because it's it's ethically and financially the right thing to do um so yeah you want people to do it you know um so we want that them to come out and have that attitude and say look this is, we're committed to this and actually build that into not just you know for me the worst thing that people can say about workplace health you get the eye roll and people go oh dress down fridays and yoga and i'm like oh and that's for me the worst that that's the kind of the worst um profile that workplace health and well-being can have because actually it's so done properly it's so much more than that so anyone who knows me will know i bang on about um the, the three p's actually there's six but there's three main ones and they're the golden thread in a workplace and it's how you make lasting and uh, impactive change and that's policy procedure and practice yeah so if you want to make those proper you know proper change that's going to have real impact it has to be done through those three mechanisms um so you know that's what that's what we need so we need that organizational buy-in um you know across the board so that all of those things can happen so not just your health advocates we do need hr we need you know, HSEQ if you've got it, OCH Health if you've got it. We need, you know, all of your communications, you know, it's it's a whole organisation approach and it has to be. So so there's, there's, there's lots there. First person to use the word nefarious, by the way, in, a pod, in one of my interviews, so well <laughs> done on that. Um, nefarious. Um, you, you, you mentioned there the eye rolling, dress down Fridays and, you know, yoga. I have got my Pilates class coming up as part of ours. So, uh but so, but it's not all that. I'll I'll, I'll grant you that. Um, and also, I quite enjoy doing stuff like that. Um, but you, you mentioned there the thing about buy-in, though, and, and you then rolled off five or six types of people who need to be involved. If I was a small employer here, I'd be thinking, well, I haven't got an occupational health mm. department or manager, or I haven't got an HR manager. I've got, you know, I'm I'm a business owner. I'm wearing many hats. I can't. I haven't got time for all of that. What would you say to the smaller end? I'd say again, our program uh, has a kind of an approach that is, is applicable to, to every size organisation. And actually, across our nearly 500 organisations engaged, we have a roughly third, third, third split between small, medium, and large enterprises, which is we couldn't plan it and we didn't plan it. It's just, it's organic. So it works really, really well for your SMEs as well because it's we judge it on, like I say, relevance. So um, we don't expect small organisations to have, you know, ISO, you know, accredited accreditations if it's not applicable. We don't expect them, you know, we ask them to look at sustainability and environmental issues. We don't expect them to have electric car charging points. Um, we expect them to have recycling bins. Um, but when I'm assessing a, a large organisation like a local authority or an NHS trust, I would expect them to have electric cars, electric car charging points, a green travel plan, etc. So it's all about the relevance. Um, small organisations often fare even better because they can change things faster and they can um, they can implement change more effectively because it, it's a it's a smaller, slicker kind of operation and, and there's less bureaucracy often to kind of go through. Um, and part of the programme is to offer smaller and medium enterprises um, outside external services that can function to help them support their HR or as an external part of, of OCH Health or whatever it is. We just held a webinar yesterday and we had a great presentation from 
Um, I'm a regional representative on Able Futures, which, as she put it, is the DWP's best kept secret. So it's a free resource for all employers to tap into that offers um, vocational rehabilitation coaches to support people to stay in work um, and access bespoke support for mental um, health and well-being issues. That is, and it's all free. And there's also uh, another arm that offers support to employers free as well. So we tap our participants in with those kind of linkages. Um, again, we're doing some stuff on kind of gambling awareness and support and training there. So we link them all in. So we give the skills. If you don't have them, we 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 try and facilitate them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think I think in our time, uh, you know, from when we started, we went from having an HR manager internally and you know we did appraisals and things like that because we're a training firm we train most of the people who come through our ranks um but but now we've got you know mental health first aiders on site multiple first aiders we always had a first aider but we've now got multiple first aiders we've got, like I say the mental health first aider is something that if you'd asked me five years ago if we'd have ever had one at Robson Aidler I would have never thought it possible um just one, one, one of the things you mentioned before as well here is it's, it's about doing this without expectation of gain, but presumably if you are an employer or a business that treats this seriously, you'll become more attractive to, you know, applicants. If you're in the job market and you can say, well, if you come and work here, this is what we do, that's surely going to make you a more attractive proposition to, to, to get the best recruits. Absolutely. And actually, actually, like I say, in my heart, I thought somebody should go into this think, not expecting any gain. However, I am quite happy to sit in front of any chief operating officer, any CFO, anyone and say, this will benefit your business. You know, hand on heart. If you do this right, this will benefit your business. So again, I can say I don't have any qualms with that at all. It will, if you do it right, have an impact, a positive impact on your productivity, on your staff engagement, um, on your fact that you will become an employer of choice. Um, you know, your retention, your attrition rates, you know, all will improve. Your tenure, uh, we have um, a, a, a call centre based not too far from yourselves in the centre of Newcastle, um, and there are about 100 strong workforce. And call centres notoriously have a very fast and very full turnover, you know, at least 100% a year, and people tend to stay for three to four months. Um, they engaged with the programme and they really engaged with the programme. Um, and they have since become a Times top 20 small medium employer. Um, and their tenure rate has gone from, I think, three to four months to 14 months, which is massive for a call centre. And what, that what is happening now is if staff do leave um, because they're attracted by a slightly higher wage, because in an, a larger organisation that can be offered, they're coming back because they're going, do you know what? The benefits, the ex, you know, the external peripheral benefits here are better. Yeah. So, you know, and they're providing that really good entry level, a lot of the time entry level work, but actually they're showing people what good work looks like, what quality employment looks like. So when they leave and go elsewhere and actually it's more money, but they go, oh, the quality of employment's not the same. So for yeah. me, a massive benefit. So they are attracting back, you know, good stuff and they're, they're retaining that stuff. And again, that's kind of... Um, that's across the board stuff in another organisation, and I'm sure they'll not, mention, uh, not mind me mentioning the name, Your Home's Newcastle. Again, they've really engaged with the programme and they saw um, a 30% decrease in mental health absence through doing kind of um, health and wellbeing programmes um, through their, their own stuff, but obviously, you know, as with the award as a conduit. So real tangible, you know, bottom line results 
so that are good for people and that are good for the organization so like I say I'm always happy to say there are absolute business benefits to this but really I want you to I want you if I was you know, I want you to do it because it's the right thing to do but there absolutely are business benefits I'm not so sure that they're that, that they're not exactly the same thing anyway Suzanne because if you can you can only expect good results in a business if you've got good people performing well and if this helps people to be more motivated, more incentivized, and perform better, then it, it's it's kind of you know it's it's unavoidable that you will get better results as a result of this, isn't it? And you mentioned their thirty percent reduction in in mental health um, absence, but I, I'm I'm fairly certain I don't know the stat, but I'm fairly certain if you look at how many people are are actually just at their desk but struggling with mental health issues, then it's not just those 30% of you know sick days that have been saved. It's 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 the better well-being of everyone who wasn't sick but turned up and is now turning up happier than they were. It's it's not just that 30%, it's 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 everybody who didn't quite get that bad who avoided getting there as well, isn't it? Categorically, yeah. I mean, and that's you can't, you know, presenteeism is a, a huge issue. Um <clears throat> Um, you know, that's, that, that's the word. I couldn't remember yeah. the word. Presenteeism. Yeah. But it is, it is a huge issue, and you're right. But that's and that's the big issue with prevention. Um, it's often um people see it as a large uh, potentially a large outlay of time, effort, and or budget um for results that are going to be quite a long time coming. Um, and that's that's the same with prevention across the board. Um, but it, it absolutely does work. And like I say, that that kind of you can't measure, you know, like you say, mitigation. And that's one of my things. So I say, if you if you live or die by measuring, you know, health and well-being programs impact on sickness absence, I'll say it will die a death. Um, you categorically can't do that. Um, because of, because of what we've just talked about, because you can't measure that mitigation, absolutely not. You can't measure somebody not going off poorly. Um, and you know, again, oh, how long might they have been off if we hadn't put in that early intervention or that keep in touch call or that extra bit of employee assistance program that got them back quicker so it's it's difficult so you know it is difficult to quantify at times and that can be that can be the difficulty um but you can look at the other indicators for me it's staff engagement um and that that for me is a big deal so staff engagement like i've said is the root of all um business flourishing you know businesses flourishing um doing well being productive um and health and well-being is just the perfect vehicle because we've all got it to to kind of um to engage stuff with because it's you know it's not just work it makes people feel like that they are valued that they're not just a number they're not just a payroll number or whatever it is um so it's that perfect vehicle so measuring things like staff engagement um, pulse surveys are, are, you know, are really, really good things to kind of do because you're doing a bit of both. You're doing that consultation with staff. How are you feeling? And actually, then you can put in quick kind of measures to, you know, to mitigate any issues that are coming up and kind of, you know, tap in and see how stuff, staff are doing at the same time. Yeah, you mentioned that pulse survey and, you know, I don't know what you mean by that, but what we, what we do every week is we send us a, a, a very quick survey around to basically everyone every week. Not everyone fills it in every week, but it, it only asks one question. How are you feeling right now? Um, you know, and at the top of the list is superhero with a cape. You know, then there's good, great, okay, meh was added by uh, by request by somebody. And then, you know, happy, unhappy, angry, stressed, disappointed were all added. 
and and on a weekly basis we get a we get a feel for how people are doing you know and it's it's and it's not individual it's totally anonymous but it gives you a, a, a general read of how people are doing and what was interesting is um as a result of a lot of the stuff that we've been working on over the, over the years when lockdown happened we were i think we were better equipped to basically adapt to that because we were used to asking people how they were doing we were used to checking in having these you know daily check-ins weekly check-ins and all of those things then came very naturally to us and, and then as, as a business we actually coped very well with the fact that we were dispersed and all sent home and you know i would like to think we coped pretty well of course there was issues but we we, we did all right i think as a result of it um so yeah, it's 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 definitely got real life practical results, which aren't just sick days. You you can see more than that. What what um what's what's been the biggest success story then, Suzanne? If you, what you know, you you must have been in the some old Scrooge and kind of went honestly, give it a go. You might be sitting, and then a year later, like oh my god, Suzanne, I wish we'd done this five year ago. My, uh, for me, oh gosh, there's so, there's so many, I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to read all of these, or the, we, I read nearly all of these assessments or quality assure all of these assessments are coming every year. So you're talking about approximately 200 years. So I get to see the amazing stuff that goes on in some way, shape or form. And so as I, like I say, I do do direct business assessment as well. Um, so I've seen some amazing, I mean, I did it, um, an assessment on Friday um, that actually required me to go and get a tissue um, because they, they'd made me cry with a, a, a video that they'd put on for somebody who, who would kind of, um, you know, disclose that they'd had effectively um, PTSD um, and, and, had, and had been supported so well by the structures in place in the organisation uh, that he'd said to the, the, um, the head of their kind of um, health and wellbeing uh, you know, uh, it said, anytime you want me to do anything, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And this person was like a real kind of, um, you know, in the past had not believed, oh no, mental health, really kind of stoic, stoical, hard. And, and you know, it kind of told a story, very, very personal story, um, you know, you know, suicidal ideation and potential breakdown of that. Oh, it was, it was really heartbreaking. And to see that actually they'd had measures in place to support that. And it was a really kind of personal, personal journey and story. And he'd come out the other side and he was now a, a proponent for seeking support and, you know, the, the stuff that was in workplace. So I see things like that quite frequently and it's amazing. But for me, I think the biggest success story for me is seeing the ingenuity the tenacity um, and the passion and the dedication that came out that for, for so many people who kept the wheels on during a global pandemic when people were struggling so badly, personally, professionally, um, the stuff that came out of our kind of assessments last year, I couldn't believe the volume that came in, um, you know, com considering the, you know, experience that everyone was having, but the fact that they dug in and some organisations have done more, they've done better, they've pushed even harder. Um, so for me, and the fact that we, we, we managed to stay live and, and, and supportive and doing what we need to do, providing that additional support for people, um, I was so, so proud, so proud when we kind of, you know, finished our assessment period last year. So for me, that, is, that was a proper shining, shining moment. And a lot of 
I'm so glad you said what you said earlier about actually you felt better equipped because that was echoed time and time again through the assessments people saying we were just in a better position when this happened we had things in place already um so you know we weren't on the back foot we just needed to escalate and elevate what we were already doing um and staff knew where to go and how to access things so it's it's really nice to hear you say that as well um because for me that I was like yes that's that's real practical you know tangible benefit of what we do and it would would have been very easy to drop all of that hippie crap dressed down Friday yoga session that would be really easy to drop all of that when there was so so many things on the priority list over the last 18 months so it's quite interesting to see that people have actually you know doubled down and, and actually pushed even harder so that, I mean that, that that must give you hope for the workplace of the future does it and Suzanne certainly in the in your your area in the northeast because I would imagine, you know, the, the, the tale you told there about the person who who'd really struggled and historically would have been like the, I got the impression like the person who stood back and just did, didn't show emotion in the workplace. I mean, the Northeast is full of a lot of people like that, isn't it? But well, oh. certainly in my experience it is. So it must give you hope that the workplace of tomorrow is going to be a much more accommodating place than the workplace of yesterday. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think we've still got a few challenges to overcome. Um, but yeah, I mean, attitudinally, and that's not just organisationally, that, that's, that's individuals, that's culturally, that's regionally. Um, so the move to, you know, the move to from working from home and well, actually in having a two-tier workforce effectively during COVID, which is something we really have to be mindful of in making a positive difference is that we don't consolidate and we don't uh, widen any existing health inequalities by you know having that two-tier workforce so that you know the people who can work from home and the people who have to do frontline work and experience those exposures to whether it's COVID or to, to anything and everything else um so you know we need to be mindful mindful of all those kind of things and then so we're going to move back to kind of now we've got this hybrid working approach um so Awesome people are going to stay with you from home. We just need to make sure that actually now that we're going to have these different pockets of workers doing quite different things, that we engage in a, in a structured, meaningful way so that we don't miss people out um, or we don't overlook them or they don't have the same access to things. So that's still a challenge. And I think sometimes people working from home, um, for all it can be great for work-life balance, um, it is more difficult to to see if, to, to see visibly if somebody's struggling or if actually inevitable you've been a bit quiet are you okay you don't notice that when people are remote working or working from home um so those visible cues those personal interactions are still really important so we have to try and build them in um so like i say still and again the hybrid working is the same so how we manage that um, and how we manage actually people who are still frontline, whether you're working um, in a factory on a production line or you're working in retail or transport or whatever it is. Um, we need to make sure that there are systems, procedures, policies and practices in place, like I say, to break down barriers and to actually, like I say, do that cultural and that, that awareness change and stuff. So actually, like you say, um, the conversations do happen more readily, they are more easy, and people are more willing to engage uh, on them as well. On, on the working from home thing, I know there's a lot of controversy depending on who says what, when, and, you know, politicians have gotten broiled in all kinds of, you know, uproars, if you believe Twitter, but 
on whether people should or shouldn't come back to work and the, and the, and the positives of being in a good workplace, etc. Um, what, what, what one thing that people might be thinking when they say, well, of course you should go back to work. I mean, I, I do believe that I am happier in the office. I, I fully understand that some people are happier to never see the office again, and I get that. So I'm not going to try and make everybody come up, and we're not. We're not doing that. Um, but I, but I, do, I, I do think you make an interesting point there, and it's probably more about making sure that you have a way to make sure people are still okay. Because most places would think, well, if we're never going to see you, how do we know you're working? So let's make sure you're still productive. Let's measure your productivity. But do, do you think there's a gap there that people aren't used to then also measuring whether people are happy and whether people are actually you know, doing okay? And, and, and if so, how, how are people going to adapt to learn to, to, to do that? Yeah, oh, yes, we're still learning. I think this is that that's the, the issue with that that's going to be one of the challenges. We're still learning. There's a lot of kind of um evidence and kind of experience out there now about how to do things in workplace. Um, but there's still there's still a lot of gaps around kind of um parity, consistency, and inclusivity. Um, and that's gonna be again, that's another thing that we're gonna to have to consider with because that that home working element. Um People are now, like I say, so through COVID as well, like, are finding those ways now, which is great. Um, but we're not there. We're absolutely not there. Um, and, and it's not the same because you can't pick up those kind of nuanced things because you can put your best smiley face on for 20 minutes on a, on a kit call. Um, so it's about building in those pulse surveys, like you mentioned, Martin, I think they're a great idea as a temperature check of your workforce. Um, and even kind of, you know, an individual kind of, um, in some organizations I have actually where they go in, they've got a board um, and you could do this digitally as well. You've got a board and it's got like different, like, like, your, like your temperature check, it's got like different faces. So a really happy face, a medium kind of, you know, whatever it is. And you have to put beside your um, name, whatever, whatever it is, or you have to hit the button or do something to show what kind of mood you're in that day. So just to give people a heads up as to how you're feeling. And I thought, actually, that's quite a good thing. So if you're looking a bit like, you're, you haven't upset me. I'm just in it like I've had a bad morning. So, or I'm feeling really good today. Or so actually, if you want a little bit of sunshine in your life, you'll go and talk to that person. And I think there's a case for doing that kind of thing. You know, again, that, you know, some of it's quite kind of, um, you know, kind of lighthearted, but actually it's good because sometimes people, if, if you are feeling, you know, a bit down, it's actually it's like, look, I'm just feeling a bit down. It is, they might send you a little funny joke or a little, you know, whatever, and give you a buzz. You're right. Oh, just having a bad day. So it's about thinking about how we, we foster those pastoral aspects. Um, it's like you say, as well as the, pro the, the productivity stuff. Um, and some of our organisations have done some amazing stuff. Um, they've started things like book clubs, um, record of the week, where people all kind of just built in and like have a listen to this or do whatever. So um, virtual kind of um, cuppers where they'll chuck in a 15 minute Teams meeting and go, right, no work. We're going to grab a coffee like we would and have a bit, have a bit crack, um, talk about the kids and whatever's, whatever's happening. So yes, I think I still say there's, 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 there's still some stuff to put in around formal structures of supporting people at home and the informal pastoral stuff as well. So yes, I think that is a, that is a, a challenge and a bit, of, um, a bit of work that's going to be emerging. Yeah, I think most of my audience are in the Northeast, but for anyone not, just, just so they know, crack is <laughs> something different. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're not, um, we're not all C-R-A-I-C, that's kind of crack. 
yeah, yeah, a, a bit of banter, a bit of bants. Um, also, also fair play for for squeezing a Night Rider reference in there with Kit. Um, I, I know what Kit is, but what 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 what's what's the point of Kit? What how does Kit have a, a place in a modern workplace, Suzanne? It's just a sort of keep in touch. So a keep in touch call or a keep a keep in touch meeting. Sorry. So and again, they, they should be built in things if so as part of kind of return to work processes or if anyone is off um poorly or unwell, there should be or on even things like mat leave, adoption leave, paternity leave. Um it's always good, a good procedural thing to do there or and a good policy tie-in and good practice is a keep in touch call. So you can work out your kind of timeframes, whether it's weekly, fortnightly, depends on the person, depends on the circumstance. But they're a really good way of just keeping in touch with your um, with your work mate, colleague, staff member, whoever it is. It's 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 uh, it's interesting that you, your kind of measures of how well someone's doing here, gold, bronze, silver, gold, uh, continuing excellence, maintaining excellence. It, it, is, is that purposely worded that way because you could get your first three, but then if you take your foot off, you, it could very easily drop away. I mean, how long does it take for long-term long -term systematic change to be built into a workplace, do you think, Suzanne? Um, Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, and I think that, that's the same with work yourself. It does, it really does take time and it's a, it's a cumulative process as well. So you, the more you do it, the more benefit you get. And that's why we have that stepped approach. So um, you're absolutely right. Yeah, if you get to go, get to go, we usually say it, it takes approximately a year per level. Um, you can do if you if you you know going for it, you can do brands a little bit quicker. But when you're getting up towards so and especially gold, we say take the year. Um, up, it's about it'll probably work out at about yeah 10, 11, 12 months, depending on when you go. Um, because you do need that time to, to deliver. And we what we don't, we always check as well timings of things like campaigns and things that have been done. Because what we don't want is to say, right, we've had a health and well-being week, that's us done. <laughs> like jobs are good in, you know. Um, so we, we we will actually see that things have been staggered throughout the year in terms of timing. Um, that's it. So that's a check that we would make. Um, and yes, you're absolutely right. So if you can get the gold, if people withdraw gold from our award, which is which is fair, we'd say, right, we would class them as sustainable. Um However, if you want to be reaccredited, um, you need to kind of stay with us. Um, and a lot of organisations do. So it's continuing excellence because at Gold, we ask organisations to put in a three-year, a formal three-year health and wellbeing strategy uh, and an action plan. So a continuing excellence, we want to see how you're delivering, have you delivered on your action plan and how you're delivering on your strategy. Uh, maintaining excellence is, again, just that mantra and then just checking in and saying, right, what have you done? How are you doing? Um, and a lot of our organisations really like that because they feel like it gives them the impetus to, to do it, to build it in. And also it's the same with any kind of um, change or prioritisation of, of, of a topic or a, a theme or a strand, accountability. Um, and we all function better with a bit of accountability. Um, so that reaccreditation process, that external, you know, mandate of what you've got to do and a standard that you have to reach keeps people honest, it keeps them keen and it keeps them, you know, on the ball as well. So, you know, we've got organisations who have been with us the full kind of 12 years. So kind of inherited from a previous programme and they've stuck with it because they like the structure, they like the networking and support because they're always learning, there's always something happening. It, it, you made a good point about external accountability there because we 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 have clients who we 
one of our service lines is is basically business coaching. Um, and you definitely find that the people you touch base with regularly are much more likely to have done the things they said they were going to do. Even if they've done them all the day before your next meeting, at least they got done. Um, so, so this idea of having external accountability, I think, is 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 is, is critically important if you're making if you want to make sure that things actually get done. Um, Su Suzanne, what's the, what's what's the long term strategy here? I mean, what's what's the big goal? Is 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 the goal here to have fifty percent of employers engaged, or is it just to wash so many employees through the scheme in some way? Or I mean, I don't want to be crude and put a number on it, but what's 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 the big target here? What's the big goal? The target is as many people benefiting from better workplaces as possible. Um, so, however we do that, obviously the, the award is, is a kind of a real kind of firm vehicle for that. Um, we're just at the minute, we've just branched out into kind of an, a more focused engagement programme with primary care, so GP practices, pharmacies, um, etc. So because that was an area that was kind of lacking, and obviously at the moment that's an area that we know staff are, are kind of have, are struggling with because obviously pandemic pressures, etc. Um, so again, that's so uh, we had to, we have some bespoke targets around that, which we're absolutely um, you know delivering. But we also know that social care is also another significant area where there um, are huge challenges. Um, you know, staff are under immense pressure. Organisations are under immense pressure. So what can we do? And we thought about doing the same model as, as with kind of primary care, and we just stood back and went. It's not the time, it won't work unless there's some fundamental kind of um, other things happening as well. So we stood back and said, well, what do we do? There was some underspend we could bid for, we bid for it. And we said, right, we're going to develop a, a social care toolkit that offers a bit of better health and work award light so that these organisations can benefit from some of the structures and um, some guidance, some information um, so that their staff can benefit as well. So for us, it's just literally um, the gospel of better health at work. You know, it's just spreading that. It, it, hopefully you can tell I'm, I'm evangelical about it, that, you know, um, we just want as many people as possible to benefit from better health in general uh, and ensuring that their workplace is um, obviously health conducive, but also, you know, good work is good for us. Yeah, so we need that. And I think that's, so for me, that's what it's about. And I think for our, our funders, our, lo our very collegiate um, local authorities and our directors in public health and, and um, leaders of the councils and chief execs, et cetera, they, a long time ago, um, said actually, you know, um, you, you know, there's more power in, in a kind of a, a bigger pan-regional footprint. Um, so we have this award, which is kind of the biggest uh, in terms of geography and and reach in England, so that's our thing to to keep the profile high, to keep workplaces engaged, to, to expand the reaches. But obviously, capacity is always an issue. Um, to do as much as we can within the capacity that we have, and get just allow as many people as possible to benefit. Do do, do you face much? I've I, 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 I wrote China down here, and you're going to think this is a weird way, but this is how my mind works. Often when we're talking about the environment, people say, well, what's the point when China are just burning everything they can get their hands on? And, 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 I, and I quite often think, yeah, but that's that's not really the way to think about it. If, if we can do better within what we can control, that will influence those around us and 
it'll spread eventually and get there. And that might well, be a bit naive there, but I, I would imagine there's workplaces where equally you'll say, well, this will never take root in. And I don't know, you might say building sites. I'm not picking on building sites, but you might go, well, building sites are never going to care about this rubbish. But actually, if they see so many other workplaces around them that, that have good practices in place, it'll make those other industries or other sectors more attractive to work in. And gradually, the bad workplaces will have to catch up because they simply won't be able to get anybody to go and work there. So it, it, I presume your goal here is just to make sure there's enough good workplaces to make the bad workplaces look worse. Is, is, is there an element of that? Or? Um, I, I hadn't ever thought about it like that. I think our, our goal is to reduce the bad workplaces. I think so to, to kind of minimise you know, them. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I think that obviously there are sectors where we don't have as much traction as we'd like. Um, but sometimes that's kind of down to the fact that actually, so for instance, um, construction is a good one. Um, a lot of the, the, the larger organisations appreciate the fact that actually there's a huge issue because um, if you look at suicide rates in terms of demographic and you also look at suicide rates in terms of um, sector and employment, um, type construction has a really high suicide rate um and because of the male demographic because of the age demographic uh and again potentially because of the socioeconomic implications as well so they appreciate that and sometimes they want to do things but actually sometimes it's the application that's the barrier because you've often got subcontracted workforces transient workforces peripatetic people moving from site to site um so sometimes it's not that the will isn't there it's it's the you're at a loss for how to deliver it and how for you know how to get traction. And sometimes we've had workers who've engaged and have fallen off because of this traction issue. They're like, oh, just oh, we can't get it to stick, or you know, how do we put these mechanisms in place with all of these factors? So yeah, like I said, there's always going to be challenges and barriers to overcome in sectors that are more challenging than others. Um but you know once at a time we'll get there and the more evidence and the more good practice we see the more we can cascade that whether it's through the award or through other um you know kind of sister work streams as well so yeah I mean yes but hopefully we want to minimize um bad workplaces or workplaces that don't that don't care absolutely well, well I've, you mentioned before about this idea of, of getting into um, primary care and I, and, I, and I think we can all agree that we want to see more um, GP receptionists happier at their workplace. We've all been the victim of a, an unhappy GP receptionist. Um, so I think we can all get behind that. Wh which, which workplaces then, if you, if you wanted to put like a, a call out now, a call to action to the sector that need, needs your work the most? I'm conscious here, we don't, we're, what we're, not, we're not criticizing this sector, but which sector is the one that you think could really do, you would love to get into? Well, oh, we've got representation in pretty much all sectors, but it's um, often what we find is, and again, I'm going to deflect that slightly, Martin, um, and say often what happens is in, in sectors or workplaces that have an external um, well-being mandate or caring commitment or whatever, where they do, they provide a service externally, um, they go, well, we do it, but they forget about themselves. So for me, it's always about going, right, so just take it, take it a step back. Sometimes it's okay to be introspective for a little while. In fact, sometimes it's really important to be introspective um, for a little while and go, right, hang on, 
we do that externally, but actually, what what do we do internally? How do we how do we do this for our for our people for our staff? Um, so yes, often that can be an issue, and that can again that can be a, a attraction issue as well because you go, it is that kind of take it for granted. Well, we do it. Well, yes, but you do it externally, not internally. Um, I'd say for me, workplaces, any workplace who doesn't do it, doesn't do anything around health and wellbeing, or doesn't think about health and wellbeing, or like is it, or who doesn't consider staff their biggest um, asset, um, need, needs to come in, you know, to join in. You know, I, my analogy is always if an organisation invests five, ten million pounds in planting machinery. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to spend the money to, to, to keep it maintained and invest in it and keep it going because if that goes, they, they don't work. They have no. Well, for most organizations, that biggest outlay, that five, ten plus million pounds, is on stuff. It's on stuff and resource. So to me, like I say, going back to that financial case, it just makes good business and ethical sense to invest in and look after your workforce. And like I say, for all of the, the reasons that we mentioned before. You, you, you said something before as well, good work is good for us. Um, and and, and, and I, I honestly think that if you've got a purpose in life, whether, you know, um, your job doesn't have to be your purpose, but for, for a vast majority of people getting up and going to work and doing a good days of rewarding work is, is, is one of their main purposes in life. Obviously, it's then just a tool to let you do other things. I get that. But, but, you know, giving someone satisfaction from their job, I think, is a very, very noble cause if you can do that. Um, if, if, if people want to reach out to you, Suzanne, is, I mean, what, what's the easiest way for people to find out more? Obviously, I hope people enjoy, pardon me, enjoy what they've heard yet today and, you know, get something from this. What's, what's the easiest way, the gentle way to get into this? If, if you're worried about the time commitment, but you think, well, I wouldn't mind knowing a little bit more. What's the easiest way to do that? We've got a website, so we have a shop, we've got um, a multifunctional website, but there's a shop window, um, so it's just www.betterhealthatworkaward.org.uk, so Google it, we're quite high up on the the search engine, so if you just Google Better Health at Work Award, we should pop up there. Got a comprehensive shop window website, alternatively, um, I'm happy for people to contact me directly um, at snickel, it's n-i-c-h-o-l at t-u-c, .org.uk but we do have an inquiry um, and contact contact function even on our website so if you want to just tiptoe just dip your toe in the water then we can certainly have um, an email exchange and, uh, and take it from there. And, and obviously the, the, in the perfect world people come via you they take advantage of all these free resources whether it's the, the resources provided directly through Better Health at Work or mentioned earlier on the able futures thing through dwp which people might not have otherwise found out about if that hadn't came yeah. by you and 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 I, and, I, and i get obviously that's it that that's a great way that's the path we've chosen we also do a lot of other stuff around this topic as well we do you know we read up we follow people who are, are, are in this kind of area of work i mean is there a you know a lot of people listen to podcasts is there a podcast out there or a book people could read to like you know, they think, well, I don't want to go down that road, but I do want to be better. Is there is are, are there other ways? And I really, I'm not asking you to send people to competitors here, but other ways to inspire people to come back to you and and, and do your route. Uh, it just if, uh, as an employer, you know, read the CIPD Health and Wellbeing Work Reports that they put out every year. They're really insightful. They, you know, they they give a lot of kind of recommendations and a lot of them will be do stuff on health and wellbeing. <laughs> so. 
um there's loads of good i'm trying to think there's loads of good stuff um you know one year resources are great for general kind of promo and awareness um what else is out there um phe uh public health england work really closely with um, business in the community and produce a raft of really good employer toolkits across a range of subjects from um, physical activity in the workplace to suicide postvention and prevention um, and musculoskeletal stuff, mental health and everything in between. Um, there is a, a, a mind to do some great stuff. Uh, so one of my favourite things at the moment that I'm back, constantly banging the drum on is um, proactive pr prevention um, and moving workplaces from looking at mental health um, is something that needs to be fixed when it's broken and having react just just reactive measures in place to move in and change the conversation to, to kind of um, how do we preserve good mental health and well-being being the default so things like um, wellness action plans are really great and mind have got some great guidance for line managers on how to do those what they do um, and also there's guidance for individuals and there's even a separate one for people working from home and those who are in the workplace. So things like that, really helpful, really practical tools that you can apply in workplace very, very quickly and for anyone um, across the board, no matter what they do. One, one thing I think we, I, well, I, I certainly think different on now as a result, directly as a result of the work we're doing with you guys is and it might have been be new, but it was it was someone with your kind of energy and passion on on, on a webinar we did recently internally. That was me. Um, it was you. Well, I thought <laughs> I thought me. it was. Um, and, and and you said, you know, if, if I say to you mental health, what what do you think? And I can't remember how you phrased it, but it was really clever because most people think if you say mental health, well, that's a bad thing. Yeah. Men mental health is just a statement of of a thing which can be good or bad. It's just like if I say, how is your health? You don't assume I'm asking a negative thing, but somehow if it's, it's, it's perceived if you ask about someone's mental health, you're assuming there's something wrong, but it, it doesn't have to be a negative thing, does it? You can probably do more justice than I can on that, but... You know, but um, so mental health is is a concept something that we all have, like physical health. So from you know, if you say it's money, do you have mental health? The answer should always be yes. Um, it's how it is 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 the issue. Um, so yeah, how we talk about like we're still like I say the challenges. We're still at a point where most of us, when we talk about mental health, will default to um mental ill health and kind of the negative words and word association. So what I did was I did an exercise with you around the words that we use. Um, yeah, and we did some stuff around kind of um, anchor bias and unconscious bias as well. Um, so that's a little plug. It's really interesting, everyone. Um, but there's some really good stuff out there, like I said, so examining things like, you know, um, anchor bias in your organisation. So how do we talk about, about health and wellbeing topics? How do we talk about things like stress? Do we go, oh, stress, that doesn't exist. It's the new bag back. Um, so, you know, and that, that percolates out into... Um, into how other people perceive it as well. So that anchor bias is really important. So um, there's loads of stuff that we kind of talk through in, on the programme and loads of concepts that are coming out, um, emerging concepts that, concepts that are coming out at the moment around workplace health and wellbeing. Um, so I'm learning, it's, I'm constantly learning as well. Some, some you know, some other things if, if people are um, anoraks like me um, and they want to go and have a look with some new kind of schools of thought around kind of um, positive occupational psychology. So strengths-based strengths approaches, um, 
so there's kind of just what you say, there's a PERMA model and there's also a VIA model and it's about actually talking to people using um positive concepts like um wisdom knowledge strength and, and, and working out what you have and what you what you do really interesting go and look up so VIA uh, VIA um and there's PERMA which is a PERMA, PERMA model so like I say I'm still learning these are only I can't, can't give you chapter and verse because I don't there's loads of really good stuff but interesting concepts and things that you can kind of apply at least into some elements of your workplace yeah good well Susanna said I would grab you for about an hour we're, we're, we're coming up on that so what 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 um g- g- give give me your your 30 sex 30 second exit pitch then what, what what do you want people to take from this and what do you hope people have got from it um I hope it's at least piqued people's interest to say well actually what what are we doing um and, and also what can we do better um, so like I say, that kind of um, that introspection certainly needs to happen. Um, and, and like I say, please be aware that in, you know we're lucky enough in our in our region in the northeastern Cumbria to have this program to help support our organisations to um, to do more and to also kind of um, recognise them when they do. Uh, so please do take advantage uh, take advantage of any kind of mechanisms that are going to support your organization to to do to do more to be a healthier organization to be a healthier workplace and to have healthier workforce um yeah it's just the right thing to do in so many ways can't argue with that well Suzanne I know I know we are a much stronger place as a result of what we do with you um both financially and 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 generally we are a better place to work um to the point where actually it was we mentioned construction a few times there, and that 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 was accidental. But we actually um, we have a client who's in construction who messaged me probably about three or four years ago now, and, and his message was was literally something like, "Man, it must be great working at your place. All you seem to do is cool stuff." And it was because on our social we started putting things about the walking club and the running club yeah. and, and all of these things, which actually build great team morale, you know, and get get pretty good buy in. Um, but yeah, so so it, it 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 it's provided a lot of things for us, which is why I thought it was it was a good idea to get you on here and try and share that. But but thank you very much, Suzanne. I hope uh, you and your team are keeping yourselves busy and and and, and doing the good work. Thanks very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you. Cheers.